kind of recognize or celebrate recovery leaders. They'll just lift their hand. Pastor Todd and Misty. Pastor Todd is doing something. Nicole over here. And um, Josh and Jackie Castleberry are not here tonight because Jackie is doing a Wednesday night class and Josh is keeping the babies. And Lexi had tubes put in her ears. So we thank those leaders and we thank you for the successes. So we're going to pray. Are you ready to hear Susan Vernon? Amen. So she's ready to come up. She is ready. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that it is your son, Jesus, that sets us free. It is you, Christ, and you alone. We thank you for helping each one of us. No one in this room is without a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. And you have brought us freedom. And we thank you for what you're doing in every person's life in this room. We thank you for the miracles we can see and the ones we cannot see. We thank you for raising us up to be the sons and daughters in this earth, Lord. We thank you for every restoration that's represented in this room, every miracle. And we thank you tonight for our dear Susan and the words she's bringing forth. We've all prayed so much, but one more time we ask you, Holy Spirit, speak through her. And bring forth your glory and let your name be praised. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Well, um, Susan is going to start making her way up here. Um, I would make a long speech about her and come on up and stand, Susan, if you will, please. Um, I met Susan, and we've honored, I've honored her so much, so I'm going to keep this very brief. I um, met Susan over 20 years ago. They came as a young couple to harvest, and um, the Lord began to allow us to see gifts in her. She's an exquisite dancer, um, a producer, but she's become instrumental in doing things here. A resident strong was among, a strong one among us. Uh, she is the event coordinator for Queen for a Day and the Esther Project. She's also become one of my very dearest and closest best friends and a comrade in the kingdom whom I would never want to live life without. She's a wonderful woman of God, but above all, as I told the Lord in the middle of the night, she has bulldog tenacity faith. If she puts her mind to something, she's going to do it. And even after being fought the last couple of days, um, she came forth. So smile at her, weep with her, rejoice with her, but welcome Susan Vernon. Thank you guys for coming out. It really means a lot to me, your support. And pray for me because speaking makes me very nervous. And um, several of you know, I have been under an extreme physical attack in the past 24 hours. So I may look a little rough, but in my weakness, he is made perfect. And this is how I really feel on the inside. <laughs> I, I wanted to dress like that. I feel like a warrior. And this just... This just strengthens my testimony, the, this attack. So I want to share with you a very condensed version of a journey that I have been on for the past few years. And I'm, I'm going to try to move quickly to get it all in. On a beautiful hot day, July 17, 2015, I went to my usual yearly mammogram appointment, which I've been doing since I was 35. I expected it to go quickly. Afterwards, they asked me to wait just a minute, and then they wanted to get some more scans. And I thought to myself, now what's this all about? You know, but I didn't really worry about it. I had a lot of cysts in my breast, but they are common in 60% of women. I figured they wanted to get a better picture. They scanned some more, and then they, they said they wanted to take an ultrasound because my lymph nodes looked funny. And they asked if I had an infection or if I had hurt myself. And I wasn't sure about either of those. So I did the ultrasound, and they didn't see anything in the breast, but still said my lymph nodes looked funny. 
and that I should see a surgeon. So I left annoyed over this inconvenience that I was sure would amount to nothing. I made an appointment with a surgeon that I had seen before, and he too seemed perplexed over it and thought, surely it is nothing, and again, ask about infection or injury. He said, maybe we should do a biopsy just to be sure. Well, now I was very annoyed because I don't like needles, and I had a lump biopsy before just because of all the cysts, which ended up being nothing. It was very unpleasant, and I was not looking forward to that. But I, even so, I asked him if he could do it right then and there. I just wanted to get it over with so I could get on with my life. But he said, no, I can't do a lymph node biopsy in the office. It's too dangerous. You have to have outpatient surgery. Plus, he wanted to do an MRI to confirm the need for a biopsy. So now I was very, very annoyed because I knew this was going to involve more needles, and I had to be put to sleep. So I was disgusted over the whole nine yards, but I set up the procedure. I had the MRI, and the findings also suggested that I should have a biopsy of my lymph nodes to be safe. So on August 14th, I went in for the biopsy in the hospital. I had prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I was in the big planning stages of our first Queen for a Day merge with OCI, and I didn't have time for this. It was still kind of an iffy thing of whether the biopsy was even necessary. I even asked the surgeon that morning, are we sure we need to do this? I had prayed and prayed, and what if things look fine now? Should we take a scan? But he said, we just need to go forward. So I was put to sleep, and they cut a small incision under my left arm. When I woke up, Chris was there, and I asked, what did the doctor say? Chris said, well, the doctor didn't really like what he saw. The lymph nodes looked weird, but he took out the four that looked abnormal, and we'll send them to be tested. That made me very worried. But I was praying for a good result and thinking maybe it was just some odd, random thing. Um, it was tough to wait for these answers. On August 19th, I went back with Chris to get my biopsy results. The doctor walks over to me with his laptop and shows it to me and begins to read it out loud. These three words that will have forever changed my life. Invasive metastatic carcinoma. In my mind's thoughts are swirling rapidly in seconds. Do I even understand what he is saying? I know the word invasive sounded bad, and the word carcinoma, I knew that had to do with cancer, but I wasn't really sure how, and I really didn't know what metastatic meant. So he says, this means you have cancer in your lymph nodes, and because it is in your lymph nodes, that means you are at least a stage three, meaning it could also be a deadly stage four. And we don't see anything in the breast. We assume it is coming from there, but we don't know. It could be other places in your body. You need to get a PET scan. I basically am speechless at this point and listening through what seemed like a dense fog. He says you probably need a mastectomy and you will need chemo and radiation. This will take a year of your life. There is no other way out of this. Don't think that there is. He did say he was sorry, and I believe he was. So he leaves the room, and Chris says, let's get you out of here. I had to dress and go to the desk, set up a scan and an appointment with an oncologist while in this fog, and finally get to the car where I just sit and stare, and I let the paper slide into the floor and start crying. This crying will not stop for a long time and will happen many, many times in the coming days. Chris said, we need to tell your mother, but I don't want to tell anyone, not another living soul. I'm so devastated. I'm so stunned, confused, literally. I think what you would call in real shock. I tell him I don't want to, but see, he says we have to tell her because she will want to know the results. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't talk. I can't text. I can't do anything but cry. 
he says, I will tell her. My amazing husband, my rock. I didn't want to tell my family. We'd just gotten through Chris's father dying from cancer. And then my father dying from cancer. I was done with cancer. We were just getting back to normal. I knew what it was like, and I knew what this news would be like for my family. And I could not even deal with my own thoughts, much less anyone else's. He told her, I know it was hard. And then he said, we need to tell Victoria, our daughter. Again, I didn't want to. He but said, we need to. He drove straight over to her house from the appointment to tell her in person. I could not get out of the car. Again, I don't want to know what that was like for him. I can only imagine he was being so strong for me. He also called Pastor Rhonda, who had been praying to share the news with her, and we asked everyone, please keep this a secret. After that, I just sat on my couch and fell into what seemed like a bottomless, dark abyss. I cried and cried and cried, and Chris cried with me. My mind could not comprehend what was going on. I've learned through this that the mind, it's like a fabulous computer. It wants to solve problems. It wants to, to figure out what's going on. My mind was racing so hard to figure out how and why is this happening to me. How is it possible that I have stage 3 breast cancer or worse? I have gone to the doctor faithfully every year since I was 18 years old. I've had a mammogram every year and some years more than one since I was 35. Isn't this what mammograms are for? To stop cancer from going even past a stage 1? I thought I was sort of healthy. I took lots of vitamins and supplements. I tried not to eat too many packaged foods. Sodas were a splurge. I loved to eat, but I wanted to be halfway decent food. I watched my weight. I didn't take any prescriptions. And I had doctor checkups and scans yearly. I figured I was pretty safe from cancer. I just could not understand it. It made my head hurt severely, and no words would come out. I would like to say that I rose up and said, By faith, I shall overcome this, and I shall not worry about it and move on. I knew the Lord was my only hope, but I still felt I had spiraled into darkness. I was asking him why also. It would wear me out to even think for a few minutes because I could not come up with any logical, anything logical. And then worse than that was the feeling that I had a death sentence spoken over me. One can only try to imagine what that's like, but it's far worse than you can imagine, or it was to me. I know we sing songs about how we can't wait until we are with Jesus and about going to heaven, but most of us are thinking about that in our future when we're very old or that we're going to gloriously go up in the rapture. But when it is launched on you unexpectedly, when you feel you have so much left in you and so much life to experience with your loved ones and that you might die a horrible death as you've watched others do and that your family will have to witness this, is not a glorious moment you rejoice in. Or for me, it was not. Dealing with the terrible possibility of is my body filled with cancer and every dreadful thought you can imagine of earthly loss comes to you. You fight those thoughts, those vain imaginations, and you learn to fight them harder and harder. And again, in my confusion, I did not even understand what I had. I'm a person that likes to research things. I just wanted to know what this type of cancer was all about. I know nothing about this, so I'm just trying to look things up. Not looking for bad things, but just an explanation of what this word means or this number or this level or all these pages on these reports. And what I would read in like five minutes would be so horrifying. 
and so many statistics of how long you have to live that it would send me into countless crying jags that would last for hours and take hours to pull out of. Listening to scriptures out loud saved me over and over. I would have to play them endlessly until I could try to function and maybe stop crying. Chris would tell me I needed to stay off the internet. But it's hard to be clueless over the things that the doctor said I needed to do, and I didn't know how I was supposed to figure out what to do if I didn't understand anything. But it was really hard to look any of that up. It was very, very discouraging. I was also immediately concerned about everything around me and anything I ate or drank. Again, knowing that these things can play a role, I wondered what might be the cause. I also knew my body needed all the help it could get. So I basically stopped eating and drinking very much. I'd read the keto diet could possibly stop the growth of tumors or even reverse cancer, so we began to do that even before it came so popular. I was afraid to drink tap water, so we installed a special filter in our kitchen and our shower. I began to research anything that supposedly caused cancer or cured cancer. I found out that we are surrounded by toxins, especially as women, and these can really begin to overload your body and make it weak. So I started throwing out and giving away everything. My makeup, hairspray, shampoo, deodorant, nail polish, soap, hair color, lotion, perfume, cleaners, laundry detergent, candles, and on and on it went. Our household was chaos. And as I had mentioned earlier, I was in the middle of Queen for a day. The house was also full of all of the makeup supplies, the purses, and piles of papers. I was in the process of doing the biggest ministry event I'd ever done. I felt the enemy was after me. I felt like I was under attack. And with this battle facing me, can I even go on with Queen for a day? I had too many medical issues, and my mind is not with it, and my stress level is at 100. I mentioned to various doctors that I have an event I am over that is very important to me, and, I'm, and scheduling all these appointments and procedures is a concern. They all say, you need to step down from that. Everyone will understand, and I know they would have. Pastor Rhonda is with me no matter what I need to do, and she's covered me with prayers day and night, along with Pastor Hank. But it just felt like I was going to let the devil win. That he would stop me from trying to make a difference in women's lives. And that would be like another huge blow to me. Everyone around me was uncertain if I should go forth knowing the load I will have to carry. So I needed to hear from the Lord and get some solid godly advice. So right after the diagnosis, I knew I needed to go see Pastor Mark Strickland at Cleveland Christian Fellowship. That's where my family goes to church and my brother Doug is married to Pastor Mark's daughter Heather. So he is like family to me. He had been diagnosed with stage 3 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and had taken chemo and was healed and declared cancer-free. He's a man of great faith and has seen many miracles and prayed for many people's healing, so I felt he would have some answers for me. He's been such a blessing to me in this journey. He shared his feelings and what he went through, the things the Lord spoke to him, and most importantly, on how to move forth in faith with the Word. During his time of treatment, he kept on preaching and teaching and gave me advice that if I felt I should go forward with Queen for Day, then do it, as long as it's not going to put my health in jeopardy. And so that is what I decided to do. And being inspired by one of Pastor Rhonda's teachings during this time, I felt it was my stone to throw at Goliath. This is my stone I kept in front of me. So I tried to do my very best with this heavy weight upon me, and very pe few people knew what I was going through. I moved forward with a PET scan on August 28th. I'd never had a PET scan before or an MRI, and these were a bit scary for me. And as I said earlier, I had a huge phobia of needles, so one more obstacle to overcome. I had my first appointment with the oncologist on September 2nd to get the PET scan results. Chris was driving me. 
I became so shaky, I was sure I might black out on the way to the office. This is the scan that would show if my body was filled with cancer. I had been praying intensely over the results, and we were fasting, but I was still so nervous. I read scriptures all the way there, and the whole time I waited. And this became my mantra for all of these appointments. I had a healing scripture booklet. This is it that Pastor Rhonda gave me by Dodie Osteen, and it went everywhere with me, along with scriptures that I had written on post-its. Here the ragged things are. They were everywhere. They were in my clothing pockets, under my pillows, on my mirror, on my headboard, everywhere I could see them and even places I could not. It brought me comfort to have them all around me. It is how I survived all of these doctor's appointments and needles. Just meeting with an oncologist in general was not anything I wanted to do, after my father died, when I passed the oncology office, I would literally hiss at it. Lots of painful memories, and I didn't want to ever go there again. The scan results came back fairly clear, thank God. What a relief to know my body was not full of cancer, but where was this culprit hiding? It did show some fibroid tumors in my ovaries that I'd had for several years that are common for women my age and didn't really bother me much or I would have had them removed. Well, all of a sudden, these were up for scrutiny. Since there was no sign of where the main cancer was, they started questioning my ovaries and saying there was no way to know without removing them if they were cancerous. Well, here I go again, cancer in my ovaries. And here I had refused surgery all of these years. Had I allowed cancer to live in my body, and now I was paying the price. I was freaked out all over again. So that got me thinking, if I had to do these surgeries, I just prefer to do them both at the same time and get the recovery over with. I began to set that up with my doctors. These were the appointments that I had to make during the actual week of Queen for Day, leaving OCI and going to make plans to have my breasts removed and then returning and trying to put my hands back to work. Though my mind was far, far away, it was very difficult, but I devoted myself to it. The, fearf the fearful thoughts lingered in my head of whether this would be my last ministry event and praying it would not. I feel I probably failed many of you at certain times through this. I prayed I would not and that someday I would tell you why. I made it through Queen for a day and I felt like I had given the enemy a slap in the face. But when I packed everything up, I knew the big, big journey was ahead of me. I met again with the oncologist to discuss treatment. It was not good. The same words you hear over and over. Chemo, surgery, radiation. I'd seen the effects up close and personal and it was terrifying. But I knew Pastor Mark had gone through it very well and was now cancer-free. And he's a man of great faith, and chemo would have not been his choice, but he had a word from the Lord. I needed the Lord to give me wisdom and direction also. But it is a very difficult and scary thing to try to decide what to do. In the meantime, we had a vacation coming up before the surgeries that we had planned for over a year. I asked my doctors what they thought, and they both said, Do it. You will need it before you start this long process. So during all of this trial, Chris and I would walk. We would walk and walk and walk along with our new healthy eating plan. If you want to know why we lost all the weight, this is why. Many of you have asked. This was our motivation. On one of these walks, Chris said, I was thinking if you want to go to Israel on this trip, we could. He just wanted to do anything to make me happy. Well, Israel is a trip I had refused to go on for many years because I wanted it to be special. I had this idea in my mind of how it would be. But for the first time, my spirit leapt, and I said, yes. So off we went on our last vacation before the big surgeries. And again, you wonder and try to push down that vain imagination that it might be your last vacation ever. 
Israel did not let us down. We were seeking him and we found him. Day one, we had not planned to go to the Jordan River, but because of flight delays and jet lag and a typical rough first travel day, Chris said, let's go there. Well, I knew from my research there was no one to baptize individuals. You had to arrange it. That did not give us time to arrange anything. Well, because it was a holiday and because we walked through a certain door, we just so happened to catch a priest that was there to baptize individuals. No coincidence there, but it gets better, though. I was thinking, well, I wonder who this priest is and how this will all go, and I hope it's not weird and we have like faith and so on. So he comes over and says, I was just about to leave. You just caught me. And he doesn't look Israeli at all or have any foreign accent. Chris asks, where is he from? Tennessee, he says. <laughs> yes, that's right, Tennessee, a missionary that lives there with his wife and children. So I'm in amazement. Wow, it's like the Lord is saying, you are at the right place at the right time. So he is about to baptize us, and we have told him nothing, but he starts praying over me. And the things he says, I wish I had it recorded. It was like he knew everything. And down into the Jordan I went. And I prayed, let that cancer stay there and die in that Jordan River. That just set the tone for our whole trip. We cried in the desert like David and just felt his presence so strongly so many places, especially the Sea of Galilee. God is so faithful. It was not the trip I thought would be my first, but it was what I needed at the right time. This is just one of the many times on this journey that the Lord showed up in such a personal way to me. When we came home, it was time for the double surgery on October 23rd. I do not regret having them at the same time. I came out of them amazingly. Even my doctors were surprised and let me go home a day early. Not saying it was a piece of cake to have a double mastectomy and a complete hysterectomy at the same time. In hindsight, I'm not sure I have sh should have done either of these surgeries, but sometimes you only have certain knowledge at the time, and I believe the Lord really helped me through it regardless. We received the pathology report from the surgery. There was no cancer in any of my female organs, thankfully. But there was a 3.5 centimeter tumor in my left breast that's pretty big, about the size of a walnut. How did this escape any scans? The surgeon did his best to remove all tissue, but when you do surgery, not knowing where a tumor is located, it can be very deadly. This is another thing I didn't know. I've learned a lot through this journey. I went home for recovery, and it was like, what is the next step? I knew I needed to make it through Thanksgiving. We had told the, immediately f the immediate family on the Graham side. It was tough. I had to text them. I didn't think I could do it face-to-face -face or even on the phone. Chris wanted to tell his sister, and I finally relented. And then a good while later, I told my immediate Vernon family. They, of course, were very supportive and people of faith, and they believed I would be healed. And for those of you who may wonder why I did not make this public, and even some very close to me did not know this, I was just so devastated and having a hard enough time dealing with myself. I just couldn't deal with others' comments and thoughts at, the ta at that time. I knew everyone would immediately look at me differently and treat me differently, and that people would be watching me looking for signs of weakness. And we all do this. It's just human nature, and people don't know what to say. I'm sure some, everyone has probably had something um, happen to them at some point that you just didn't want to share publicly at the time or ever. 
I was in a place of tough decisions also, and I was seeking the Lord. I knew people might question what I was doing. It was just all too much to deal with. I didn't want to be associated with cancer. I didn't want to wear pink ribbons. I didn't want to go around with survivor attached to my name. I had already felt in the spirit the devil was trying to steal my identity, although this has been very challenging to live this life in secret more or less. But in hindsight, I still think I did the right thing as I have grown stronger and I'm able to talk about it more openly. And I still had enough of a strong support system around me praying for me at this time. And I knew I would share this. I knew this day would come. So Chris decided it might be wisdom to seek a second opinion with all the confusion of not knowing where the primary tumor was and then finding it after surgery instead of before. We probably should have done this first thing. But like I said, when you start out on a journey like this, sometimes things just go step by step and you don't really know what you're doing. And you just trust what is in front of you. My husband is a man of action. And he said, we're not messing around anymore. We're going to find the best hospital in the country, if not the world, for treating cancer. Our research led us to MD Anderson in Houston. They usually take the place of number one in the country every year for cancer treatment. So I set up to go there in early December. I wanted to get things wrapped up before Christmas if possible. I told Chris if I didn't get to be with my family during Christmas, it may send me into further depression. But we flew to Houston with a one-way ticket, not knowing what they might say, do, and how long it would take. Of course, I was very nervous. MD Anderson is huge. It's like a city, and all the hotels around it are full of sick people, including the one we stayed at. It is not a pleasant thing to experience. People come from all over the world to get cancer treatment there. I started with an ultrasound, and then they said, we are going to biopsy your lymph nodes. I thought, oh, no, here we go again. I asked, what day would that be on? They said, that will be a needle biopsy right now in this room, and a pathologist will be here and give us results in about 15 minutes. This was both mind-boggling and terrifying. This is why they are number one. This process took about two to three weeks at home. So I will say if you have a serious illness like cancer and you want to get a proper diagnosis, go somewhere like this. The room filled with people. A counselor came. It was very scary. Several lymph nodes were tested. Most were okay, but one came back cancerous. Very disappointing. I immediately moved to my next appointment with a surgical oncologist. After being asked about 100 questions by the doctor's assistant and us sharing our story about the primary tumor not showing up, she said, oh, yes, it was there on the MRI, the one I had done before my surgery. We were stunned. She reads it to us. Why did no one see this as the primary? Then she says that she is a little confused, and she is nice, but acts like everything I had done is sort of backwards. It's not horrible or anything, just not the way we would have done it, she says. And this becomes the start of our disappointment in the medical community's approach to cancer. And I'm not here to offend anyone in this testimony. I believe most people in the medical community really do want to help people. But over and over, we begin to see that you must take your health into your own hands, along with God, of course, and to carefully question everything. Regardless of the title or reputation of the doctor, people make mistakes. Doctors only know so much. They are only taught so much. But when your life hangs in the balance, you need to be your own advocate or have a family member as an advocate. You can get second opinions or do your own research. The surgical oncologist we met with, MD Anderson, is very well known, but the treatment offered was still the same. More surgery, chemo, and radiation. They told me I was strong. So they would treat me with the strongest chemo they had. This was not a comfort to me in the least. It sounded horrifying. 
Now let me backtrack a minute to the moment I was diagnosed. From that very first moment, I was against chemo. I thought it was beyond terrifying, and it seemed to make no sense to me. Why damage your whole body to kill something so small? And if you needed your body's God-given defenses to fight it, how can it do this? The thought of being sick, bald, emaciated, having a port put in, and literally destroyed internally was something that kept me in rivers of tears all the time. I knew that I was a strong person, and if it was a silver bullet and 100% with no damage, I would say, bring it on. But no one could promise me that. And my beginnings of research made me question if those treatments would actually make me worse, not better. I told the doctor my thoughts, but there was nothing else they could offer me. I asked about trial studies and other types of testing, but the answer was no. I then met with a medical oncologist. We discussed a lot of the same treatments along with hormonal therapy. I finally agreed to take this hormonal therapy, which is the pill that suppresses all estrogen from your body. Most breast cancer patients have to take a form of this for five to ten years. I didn't want to think of taking something so long and the effects could be tough, but I was willing to try something small I could control. We stayed in town to be set up with a radiation oncologist, and during that waiting period, we decided on Sunday morning that we would go to Lakewood. Joel Osteen was speaking that day. We loved the service, great spirit there, and there was an altar call for prayer. I thought, why not go down? I had been so ministered to by Dodie Osteen's testimony in her life that I was drawn to the place. And Pastor Joel's sermons had been so encouraging to me during this time. I went up to this beautiful lady and she began to pray. I didn't tell her my request. I said something very generic about health. But she was definitely led by the Spirit and began telling how her family had seen many miracles and her husband's mother was healed of pancreatic cancer supernaturally. I knew I was again in the right place at the right time. I later put things together, she said, and figured out it was John Gray's wife. Again, this was just another one of the ways the Lord would speak to me in a supernatural way. While waiting in Houston, we finally get that appointment with the radiation oncologist. At one point, I was almost convinced about moving to Houston temporarily and having radiation, but later I felt that it was not from the Lord. When you are in a precarious situation or any situation, you must be very careful of the voices you hear. But I needed to research this more and seek the Lord more for wisdom. We came home and went through the Christmas holidays. It was very heavy for me, knowing what lay ahead and that I was just treading water, so to speak. I tried to live the moments with my family. Food was awkward and not enjoyable as I was not having any splurges, but I made it through. I wept and wept, staring at my Christmas tree and reading Ann Voskamp's book, The Greatest Gift. When Christmas was over, I knew the pressure was on. Chris said, I support you in your decision, whatever it is, but you have to do something. This is a common thing with cancer, that everything seems like it has to be done immediately. And some do have severe side effects that must be dealt with right away. But it is said that most cancers take 10 years to develop. Let that sink in. And so it didn't get there overnight. And you might consider not making an overnight decision out of fear or pressure. But take time to think and pray and research and get second opinions and get an understanding. I told him that just the thought of chemo literally made me want to vomit. And that's not exaggerating. It made no sense to me, and it was like everything inside of me was screaming, don't do it. I just wasn't sure I could move forward with it. I kept thinking, isn't there another way? I felt trapped like a rat. I told Chris this over and over. It was such a horrible feeling, like there was no way I could get away from this. If I moved all the way across the world and changed my name and tried to start a new life, it wouldn't change a thing. I wanted out of this situation so desperately, 
and there was no way out, it seemed. I told Chris I really want to do my own research and look for another way. Now, back before my surgery, Pastor Rhonda had given me the name of a doctor. He was recommended by Joni Lamb and had even been on her show. Pastor Rhonda remembered very specifically one time when her and Joni were in a car together, and Joni turned to her in the middle of a story and said, If you ever know of anyone battling cancer, tell them to get to Dr. Contreras first. She had a phone number and sent it to us. Pastor Hank and Rhonda were such great support and wanted to do anything they could for us. I kept that number and was adding that to my research. I looked this doctor up. He was in Tijuana, Mexico. All I could think is we are a huge country and I have to go to Mexico. Is there no one closer in the U.S.? Surely there was. So I started a long, exhausting series of research that took many days and hundreds of hours going through any possibilities one by one and reading about the treatments, reading reviews, looking at facilities, watching videos, and marking off any that I didn't feel good about. I finally had it narrowed down to two, a clinic in California, and amazingly, the other one was the doctor recommended through Pastor Rhonda. I had my list of pros and cons. I told Chris, I don't know which one. He said, well, we have a recommendation for the one in Mexico. At least there's some connection. Let's call that number. We did, and after many phone calls, we felt a connection about this doctor who was actually a surgical oncologist, which made Chris feel better about it, and so did I. And we loved the spiritual overtones of the hospital. So we set up our first visit. 21 days in a hospital in Tijuana, Mexico. That was how we started our January of 2016. We thought we were somewhere between insane and on the right track. The hospital van picked us up in San Diego along with some other patients and we crossed into Mexico and arrived at Oasis of Hope Hospital. This is the moment that we're about to walk in the door the first time. Oasis is somewhat of a cross between a small Mexican hospital and a small Mexican resort and that combination is quite an experience. After unpacking in our orientation, it was time for the moment I was dreading the most, the meals. I like the fact that they prepared your meals because as I told you, food and drink was scary and uncertain to me. But the last thing I wanted to do was sit in a dining room that had shared tables with strangers for three meals a day for 21 days. That, to me, was like a nightmare. I'm a rather shy person, and I really don't like eating with strangers that much, but especially not in my current state of mind. I just really wasn't up for chit-chat. So I dragged myself along, praying for the best. So the food at Oasis is great. I love Oasis food. I get cravings for it and gain about five pounds when I'm there. They are so creative, and I know the food is safe and fresh. We sat down with two other couples. One was a couple we rode in with, so we gravitated toward them, and a mother that was there with her daughter. The daughter was the one who was getting treatment. At Oasis, you come with a companion. This could be spouses, family members, friends, you name it. We've seen the combination, and sometimes people bravely come alone if they have to. So we find out more about the couple we rode in with. We have some things in common, and they are very pleasant. The mother and daughter are also on their second visit. And they have so much wisdom and encouragement to share. Both couples give us the scoop on how to maneuver the Oasis life. We really bond with this mother and daughter, and the connection is an amazing thing for us that I can't even go into all of the details about. But, the meeting, but meeting them really brings a peace to Chris that this is a good, solid place. Not just a place where crazy health nuts go, but that is picked by those that could have their choice of treatment all over the world, and they choose here. 
The Lord was just so faithful to do that for us. I feel this mother and daughter will be lifelong friends, and we have already visited them several times. All of this on the first night. We end up having a two-hour dinner, and I confess to them that I dreaded this so much. They all laughed and said they did too, but we find out that these meals are really some of the best moments at Oasis. The people you meet and the conversations are truly life-changing, though heartbreaking. You also never know what you might hear or see during a meal. No conversation about bodily functions is off-limits. And people might be bandaged up in wheelchairs or be hooked to an IV, but you just feel comfortable sharing it all in that setting. At Oasis of Hope Hospital, their entire focus is on cancer. They hit cancer from every angle with food, medicine, supplements, treatments, surgeries, and spiritually. There are scriptures all over the hospital. I love that so much. Many of the employees let Jesus, so many of the employees let Jesus shine through them, even the maintenance man, Manny. This is an incredible feeling. You get your treatments in this treatment room while Ernesto, who we have grown to love and is also a pastor, plays praise and worship on his guitar and sings and prays and teaches. It's heavenly, I tell you. When I first got there, it was just like a balm for my spirit. I cried, I rejoiced, and sometimes the patients even sleep. It's okay if you fall asleep during worship. Most are like I was, so exhausted. You need it so much. Although it's not all beautiful through earthly eyes, you see many, many sick people that cannot lift their heads, and then some look fine. We are all hooked up to IVs and dragging them around. The staff is very attentive, even though we all learn the statement that things are running on Mexico time. (laughs) And even though, even they laugh about this, and you never quite know when anything is about to happen or not happen or change. There are also talks given by the doctors and staff in the treatment room, plus open discussions with Dr. Contreras about the latest cancer treatments and research happening all over the world. One of the most powerful treatments they have is the dendritic cell vaccine, which is starting to get media attention in the U.S., but it could be years before it is approved and available for all, but you can get it now in Mexico. There is also a chapel on Sunday morning with Dr. Contreras in praise and worship. They have the most beautiful little chapel with a wall that you can stick prayers in, like the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And now I have prayers for my healing in the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and in this little Mexican chapel. That first trip just changed my life and my perspective on cancer and my future. Truly, I was feeling the Lord had led me here to show me hope and give me direction for my daily life on this journey. We also met another couple there, pastors from Israel, beautiful, beautiful people. Her husband had a tumor on his neck, which had taken his voice, and his voice was his ministry as a teacher, preacher, and former Broadway actor in New York City. Like I said, the people you meet at Oasis is truly remarkable. We fell in love with them and were able to pray with them and get the wife's coffee from Starbucks if she couldn't leave her husband. She just brought joy to that place. She was also the worship leader of her church, and one day her and Chris met in the chapel and just played music, and she shared those unusual Israeli chords, and Chris shared the latest praise and worship songs that were popular in our area. He shared Good Good Father with her, and it ended up being a unique blessing to her and her husband and the Lord speaking to them through it. I think it was nice for them as companions to take a break and shake off some stress. I know it would be hard to be the companion of someone you love. My mother was also able to switch places with Chris for a week and be my companion. I'm so glad she got to come because you can never fully explain Oasis to anyone you have to experience. But the companions get blessed by this place as well. So much different than a regular hospital setting. So word gets out, of course, that Chris plays the guitar. And he is given the opportunity to fill in and play for the patients. 
My heart was full. Doors have opened every time for Chris to play. We shake our heads at the whole experience. We would have never guessed this for our lives. If you play to that group of people getting treatment, I can't think of a much more holy thing. People clinging so desperately for something to hold on to. And I'm sure next time the guitar will be waiting on him again. So we left there after 21 days with suitcases full of medications, which is called your protocol, lots of instructions and plans to return in three months. So life after Oasis, you come home a little out of sorts. I didn't quite know what to do with myself. I wanted to go home, but yet Oasis was like a safe haven, as crazy as it seems. And now I had a whole new diet and lifestyle to begin. The Oasis diet is also called a quasi-diet, which is sort of like a vegan that sometimes eats meat. It is fairly strict, but probably not more so than a lot of diets, and is really more like a lifestyle. And everything I eat is organic, and if it is not, I usually rarely eat it. I sometimes make a few very careful splurges for vacation and certain events. There are things I will probably never eat again in my life, and Chris says the same thing. It's just not worth it. I've learned how important food is, but it's tough in a world as so much we do is revolving around food. All of our church gatherings, birthdays, holidays, events, vacations, if you take eating out of those, you take a little bit of life and fun out of them. I've had to really work on this. There have been some sad, sad moments for me and a lot of tears, and I'm always having to turn something down. Usually if I go anywhere, I have to pack up meals, snacks, water, and pills. It's not always easy. And as far as my weight goes, I wanted to share this with you. I know that I'm thinner than some of you think I should be, and maybe more than I prefer. But I promise you I eat all day long. You can ask Chris. I can still eat more than him all the time. Any of my physical appearance is not from the effects of cancer. I never had any symptoms, but these are the results of the surgeries, the pills, and mostly the diet. Some of the effects are great and some not so much, but worth the risk and they are tolerable. I know this is, my, is the weight my body is when I eat really healthy, so I'm not worried about it. Um, health, uh, people always ask us what we eat, mainly because they want to lose weight, and health is our number one concern. Um, but just extra weight alone can open the door for many diseases. So if you want to see change in your body, consider getting rid of deadly sugar and watch the bad carbs, and you will see change. It's not easy, but any step in the right direction is good. It's a great thing. I continue to see people lose a small amount of weight, and their doctors take them off of blood pressure medicine and diabetes medication. It really does matter. I also take about 60 pills every day and some drinks. Mostly supplements, but some drugs. I was also taking chemo pills, as most Oasis, Oasis patients do. And this was surprising to me in the beginning, as I thought everything would be all natural. Um, but as I said before, their plan is to attack cancer from every direction. You don't have to take these drugs. Some patients get good results without them, but their studies and years of experience show they get faster results with them, but they are given at safe and tolerable levels. The pills are at all different times of day and night, and many times... Your stomach must be empty, so there's a lot of timing involved. I think in the beginning I would call this more of a daily battle. And now I'm hoping I, I'm getting closer to it being a daily challenge. It just has to be on your mind all the time. But I feel this alternative choice was best for me. My diet and all I do in this whole experience are way too much to discuss in a short period. And there's so many details I've left out. Maybe someday we'll have a blog. But I feel... Feel free to ask me about it. I learned so much about food, supplements, drugs, toxins, and cancer. I do want to say if you or anyone you know have taken conventional chemo and radiation, I'm not telling you you did the wrong thing or this is absolutely the way to go in every situation. This is a huge, huge decision. 
Everybody's body is unique, and there are so many aspects involved. I'm just saying, please make sure you're informed. Take time to pray and think, and don't be pushed into anything. There's a lot of solid medical research out there. Now, these pastors we met at Oasis that are from Israel, Karen and David Davis, we just love them so much. We made a little side trip to Israel again to visit them. This experience is another on my list of things the Lord did just for me and will be a highlight of my life always. They invited us to their beautiful little apartment. We stood on their balcony overlooking the sea. It was Shabbat dinner, and we had a lovely conversation, and Pastor David and I got to talk and laugh and laugh over our difficult protocol appeals. After dinner, we sat with them, and the wife said, let's pray, and she sat at her keyboard and sang, and I just soaked it in like a greedy pig and let them pray for me. Then I told the wife I had discovered that I owned a CD that she had sang on, which was pretty cool. I had this Israeli CD for years and years. There was this blessing on it that I loved so much, but the CD was something just a bit more obscure that would have not been very well known to you. But I kept it all these years. And so I began to tell her that we began using the blessing on it at our Esther project. So she says, that was Pastor David and points at him. And I'm thinking, what? This blessing that has meant so much to me? I have met the man who spoke it in a Mexican cancer hospital, but I don't find out until I'm in Israel. And I'm basically in tears. I'm trying to pull up pictures of the Esther Project on my phone so they can see how Pastor David's words are still blessing people today. And all this while, Chris keeps trying to get my attention to let me know that Pastor David is saying to him, I recorded it on that balcony. So I'm in the presence of the man who recorded this blessing that I have had and loved for years, and I've stood on the balcony where it was recorded. Now, this probably doesn't make the impact on you like it did to me. But at the time, I felt like I was so hidden at that moment in this apartment in Haifa, Israel, far, far from home. And the Lord says, I'm about to blow your mind right now. I was in tears. It seemed like an impossible thing, a God wink, as they say. And another time, I feel like the Lord is confirming you're in the right place at the right time. The next day we visited their church on Mount Carmel. We felt right at home. It was so joyful. Pastor David talked about our journey to Oasis and the Lord's healing power in my life. Hearing this blessing will never be the same to me again. Unfortunately, Pastor David declined due to complications and passed away last year. It broke my heart, but his legacy lives on, even in little Cleveland, Tennessee, right here at Church of the Harvest. So after my first visit, I was scheduled for a follow-up visit in three months. This is pretty much what all patients do. They want to see how your body responds after three months. You have another PET scan or MRI. Um, and before that, I returned to MD Anderson again for a follow-up. I told them I had decided not to take chemo or radiation, but would continue my hormonal therapy and get that from a doctor at home. My second trip to Oasis in April of 2016 was definitely not as stressful as the first. I looked forward to the food and sort of knew what to expect. It was Wednesday, April the 27th, 2016, that I had my meeting with Dr. Contreras at Oasis, and he looked at my scans and said, you are in total remission, or NED. No evidence of disease. He said, you can call it a miracle. Praise the Lord, he did it. We were more or less stunned. We didn't even know what to think. We just walked around in a daze. Word spread throughout the hospital, and people we didn't even know cried for joy with us. They always want people to be encouraged in the hospital, and we always share our good news with each other. 
it was so wonderful to be able to share this news with my family also. He's a good, good father. I'm told to stay on my protocol, and I do not have to return for somewhere between six months to a year. We just leave in, still in shock and amazement at what the Lord had done. So in between these times, I try to work on trying to restore some kind of order to my life, but trying not to stress and not overdo things is doctor's orders. And I'm not good at either one of those. <laughs> but there is research that says this causes disease. Resting more needs to be a priority for most of us. But I do want to be able to accomplish the things the Lord has given me, the talents and gifts to do that, that bring restoration to others. I don't think I was put here to just sit and relax and do nothing. It's tough for my personality type, who's always thinking they need to be accomplishing something or doing something constructive or coming up with some time-consuming idea of how to make something. So I'm still trying to achieve that healthy balance, and it's a work in progress. But I do believe taking care of your body is a godly thing. One of my hardest challenges through this journey has been the struggle between the natural and the spiritual. My faith tells me that he is my healer and that it is his will and his desire for me to be in good health and that nothing is impossible with him, whatever the circumstance. And that is the most important thing, even beyond my food. But I believe there are things in the natural that I need to do as part of a healthy lifestyle with prayer and the word being at the top of my health food. I don't believe sickness is from God or his plan to teach us something. We know we can't go around and eat candy as our only food source. We all get that. But a majority of the things we eat can be just as bad. Just because we've grown up eating it or it's available doesn't mean it's good for us. Think about what you ate today. Did you give your body anything good to work with? We need to see more of going back to foods in their original healthy state, not the overprocessed, pesticide and chemical laden food that is loaded with sugar. We need to try to take care of our bodies in every way, both spiritually and physically, so that we can be effective in the things he calls each of us to do. We do feel, live in a fallen world and disease is rampant. My goal is to curse disease at the root every time I get the chance, especially cancer. I do believe he can take what the enemy intended for evil, regardless of the circumstance, and turn it for our good. He is a healing God. So many of the things I have learned, even through documented scientific studies about the body's great ability to heal itself, lead back to spiritual things. I believe it's all related and so much that we don't know about the body. I've also learned a lot through the spiritual journey of this. The biggest on how much this confirmed to me that he is my hope. The supernatural peace that he brings. I have learned that in the darkness he shines even brighter. We might think on beautiful, bright days when all is going right. He is shining the brightest, but I found in darkness, he comes shining through in ways we can never imagine, that you can see him even brighter. Psalms 34, 18 says, He is near to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. I truly know what that verse means now. Does that mean if you are not brokenhearted, he is not close? No, we know he is always close. But if we allow him in our broken times, it will come up so very close that strangely enough, as things have begun to get a little better in my life, a little more peaceful, a little calmer, but I miss that very, very close feeling that comes in our desperation. This is how people make it through things that others look at them and think, I could never make it through that. But he gives you a grace and a strength to be seized for every season. And that overwhelmingly close presence in your time of brokenness that can lead you through the darkest of days. This is what I have felt. 
I was so brokenhearted, but he was so very close. Every sermon I heard, it was like it was written for me. Every song, every teaching, even the simplest things in life, I would see and they would bring me to tears. I was looking for him everywhere and he was there. He did not leave me or forsake me. I've learned to think differently about many things in life and what matters. I feel more compassion for the sick and for those going through overwhelming circumstances. As time is going by, I'm starting to feel more adjusted to my new lifestyle. It's still not easy, but so important. We cook so much and wash dishes and cook and wash dishes. Chris is the head cook and dishwasher. We make great meals most of the time, although every meal might be an episode of Chopped. Um, he's taking good, <laughs> and it, it really is, it really is. He's taken good, such good care of me and supported me. I just don't know how to express what that means in a situation like this. I know it's been hard for him. He's been through so much with me and helps me face these daily challenges. You never want to see one, someone you love going through this, but he's been my rock. He's been through the fire and the deep waters with me. I returned for visit three to Oasis on October of 2016 to receive my vaccine, which is what I do now, that I have been declared to be in remission. This is this dendritic cell vaccine, which is made from your own blood, is like setting an army of killer cells loose in your body to fight cancer. My visits are around once a year now, along with once a year scans, and I am off the chemo pills. I am thank you. I am asked to write my test I'm asked to write my testimony at Oasis so it can be posted in the treatment room along with others to give the patients hope and encouragement. And this was my first sharing of my testimony displayed on a wall of, of a hospital in Tijuana, Mexico, and what the Lord has done for me, and this is what it looks like. The 2016 holidays were so much better than the year before, and I was trying to feel more normal. But it was hard, and that becomes a statement I make often. I just want to feel normal. I had, and I had prayed that 2017 would be better. Chris and I make this statement to each other often. There was a man from Bahrain. Let me share one more story with you to encourage you. In March of 2017, we were on a trip to the Middle East, and Bahrain was one of the countries we were going to. Even though I had traveled all over the world, I had never heard of Bahrain. Most haven't. Bahrain is a small island off the eastern coast of Saudi Arabia in the Persian Gulf. So we were picking up a rental car in one of the very typical Middle Eastern malls over the top and filled with very high-end stores like Dolce and Gabbana and Chanel. The rental car place was just around the corner from Dolce, and we pulled open the door and talked about day and night. It was like the size of a large closet. It was not so clean, and it was really hot. We started doing our paperwork with the person at the desk who is of Indian nationality. At one point, Chris points to a small book on the desk and asks me if this looks like a New Testament. I said, I don't know. We can't read it from that distance. And I figured it could be any religion considering where we were. So we have no personal connection with this man. He is nice enough. We get the car and we go enjoy our day. So when we returned the car, I decided I was not going back in that tiny office. Too hot and yucky. And I thought I would hang out in front of Dolce & Gabbana and look for some Wi-Fi and do important things like get on Facebook and send emails to my mother and Pastor Rhonda. So after a while, I began to think that Chris has been in there forever. I could hear them talking. I thought, well, either something has gone wrong with the paperwork or Chris is chit-chatting with him, which is not uncommon for Chris. So I go over and open that door, and it's like, there you are. 
this man says his church is going to be praying for me. He says, we will never forget you. And I'm thinking, what in the world has Chris said? The man starts telling of all these miracles in his own life and that his church has experienced. And on and on it goes. He says repeatedly with his Indian accent, he's a healing God. He's a healing God. Then he stands up at his desk and says, I'm speaking to you by the spirit of the Lord. Don't worry. You will be fine. You will be normal. Now, that may be seem like simple words to you, but to me, they were addressing the comment I had said repeatedly. I just want to be normal. And even that morning, I had worried about my lymph nodes. So I'm just undone and so caught off guard. I was just minding my own business looking at Facebook. But the Lord was about to blow my mind again. When you least expect it, when you feel you're in the most obscure, tiny place that most people have never heard of, and this is not church, this is a rental car office in the Middle East, this converted Hindu of all things is saying this in a Muslim country. What crazy things the Lord will do to show you, I hear you, I see you. So he wanted to pray, and we bowed our heads, and off he goes. I was listening and wiping back the tears, but my mind was multitasking and saying at the same time, what is going on? What in the world is happening? It felt like 100 degrees in there, and I was dripping sweat. The door opened, and I glanced up, and I saw an Arab man standing there in full Middle Eastern robe and head wrap attire. He just let the door close back. The phone rang, but nothing stopped this prayer. We thankfully took a picture of this messenger of the Lord. We went back out into the fancy mall, and we walked very slowly, and we are saying, what just happened? I was trying hard not to go into a great sobbing episode. I really wanted to. I asked Chris, what did you tell him? Did you tell him my whole story? I had assumed so. He said, no, he just asked if there was something he could pray about for us. And I said, my wife was given a bad report. That's all. We were absolutely stunned. We shook our heads. We couldn't believe it. We had to sit down on a bench for a few minutes to try to get a grip on ourselves. And this is the condensed version of the story. There's really more to it. But again, he comes to me when I least expect it. When I feel I'm so far from home in a very small space, he shows me that he is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He hears me. He sees me. So now you know why we say there was a man from Bahrain. So I did my fourth Oasis visit in August of 2017. All of my scans and tests looked good. I was told to continue with my protocol and diet, along with sending them blood tests every three months. The Lord has even helped me overcome my extreme phobia of needles, which is nothing short of a miracle. We pray that when we are there, that we will be an encouragement to others. People now recognize my picture from the treatment room and want to talk to me about it. And it never ceases to amaze me, the people we meet and the things the Lord speaks to us there. It's weird, but it feels like home when we go. I've never looked forward to going to the hospital for any reason. It is truly an oasis of hope. And I'm so thankful for the work they do there and that the Lord was faithful to lead me to this place. We really don't recognize our lives since April of 2015. We could have never imagined all that has transpired in the journey. The twists and turns in this story of our life. And this is only a small portion of all that has happened. But we are so thankful that what the enemy intended for evil and for my destruction, he turned around for my good. Psalm 118.17 says, I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. 
I don't know what the future holds, but I pray this is the beginning of a new chapter in my life, a new thing, a new door for the Lord to use me, that he has seen my tears. They will not be wasted. He truly does give beauty for ashes. such a beautiful story in closing we just want to say having walked through the fire with Chris and Susan um, we just love and honor you Chris and the text and the emails and just the strong man of God that he made you and the wisdom so awesome it's so important who you marry and um, for their faith and the kingdom people that they are and I just wanted to say, as Susan was talking, I want you to know that the Lord loves each of us in this way. At every place of his, her story, you could see where the Lord was divinely orchestrating the steps before them. And um, I will go somewhere and just weep for days, but we knew this day would come. Susan heard from the Lord. If you don't know her, her family does when she's like a bulldog. <laughs> she gets a word from God. She's gone. And um, she said, it's now time for me to share my story. And this is when I'm supposed to share it. And I just had to laugh. And I said, glory be to God, because we felt that you would. I feel like that the Lord, and I told Susan, this is going to use her to take the fear out of just so many things for people. Um, and that we do each have a stone and we can throw it. And we hope she will do a blog. My niece, Allie, who's now known um, through Rattle and TLC and Today's Show, has touched so many lives. But the Lord is doing it through your life, too. Whatever you have overcome, Harold, Hot Rod, so many of you, the Lord uses those stories to show other that mountain was given to you and it looked impossible, but the Lord helped you to move it. You never would have wanted to go through this or that, but you did. The Bible doesn't promise us we will not go through tribulation or the rivers or the floods, but that he will surely be with us. And I just thank God. This is such a powerful story. Don't miss what God is speaking to you tonight in the whispers of your heart. Um, she is a modern Deborah and Esther among us. And, of course, we love them. So much family and friends and people here. But we're so thankful. But, but be assured, Jesus Christ loves you so much. And he redeems the ashes and he turns what was meant for evil into good and he restores. That's what recovery is about. So would you give her one more hand? I'm going to let her just stay here for a second. Now, we had pondered doing a Q&A, but um, we decided to maybe wait on.